everybody doing? Thumbs up, thumbs down. All right. Has people that have been here before, right? Old timers. It's been a long time, hasn't it? All right, good. Glad to have you here. So it's Recovery College. We're going to cover uh, value today and try to figure out, you know, what makes people want to use drugs and alcohol and what makes them kind of predisposed to that. Um, if something was to happen in your past, you think it might make you more likely to want to use drugs or alcohol to make that go away? Right, yeah. So if I had like a resentment or a bad experience in my past, right, it might, it might pop up from time to time in my life, right? If I had a bad childhood, if I had a bad experience, maybe if I went up to war and I saw one of my friends get shot, that can be something that kind of harbors in the back of my mind subconsciously, right? PTSD. Yeah, exactly right. So we have people that have traumatized from all kinds of different ways. And for PTSD to happen, I saw a family today. And it was a really, really tough story to hear. Um, a young man was using heroin at ages 17 to 20. He was shooting up in the house and doing oxys and all that kind of stuff. And his sister was like 12 and 13 years old. And so what she would do is every night before she went to bed, she would touch him to make sure he wasn't dead. Then she would wake up at about 3 o'clock and set her alarm and touch him to make sure he wasn't dead. And she did that for an entire year. While he was using, because she because two of his friends died of a heroin overdose, she she told herself that if I don't check on him, he might die, and so now they're kind of confused as to why their daughter is acting out in high school and why their daughter is also beginning to smoke marijuana. You guys have any theory on why that could be going on? Yeah, I do the same thing. To chill out. Really? Please he tell me about that. Right. Yeah. Um, he came home and. He hurt his foot really bad over there. Uh -huh. so he was on painkillers for a long time. Right. When he came home, he went to heroin. Right. And yeah, I would check on him like three times during the night. Yeah. For... Isn't that stressful though? Yeah. Isn't that fatiguing? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And so this guy now, you know, has his own grow operation. And now he's, I guess he's made himself a gangster. I don't know how you go from a drug tourist to a gangster. But I, I told the family, like, when you do gangster shit, you get gangster consequences. So what does that mean? If you have a grow house and you've got like $10,000 worth of marijuana, somebody might want to do what to you? Rob you. Right, right. And if you're not really privy to that world, know how that world works, right? You might get robbed or mistreated or even worse, get shot and killed, right? So I always recommend if you're going to do gangster stuff, ask Tommy Kilpatrick, right? You do gangster shit, you get gangster consequences, right? So with regards to resentments, that can be a bad thing, right? And so the tool with that is what? With resentments, you want to work on acceptance and resolution. So what does that mean? So resolution is more sophisticated than acceptance, right? If I accept that my brother was a heroin, I accept that my friend's got PTSD, that's good. But what's really good is being able to have some resolution with it. How can I make that what's wrong better? How can I make myself better from this experience, right? Okay, what about something else that might affect somebody in regards to addiction, Right? What about anger? Is anger a good feeling to have when you are um, trying to be sober, or is it a bad feeling to have? Both. It can be if you're angry about your addiction, it might get you motivated to go to meetings and not get high. Yeah. Okay. What about anger just in general, though? Anger about your current job, anger about how your friends are treating you, anger about maybe someone that you love and care about using drugs or alcohol. How can that affect you over a period of time? Yeah. 
it also begin to affect you physically, right? If you're constantly in a state of fight, flight, or freeze, they call it a freeze one, right? So all this adrenaline, all this cortisol is going through your body all day long. You're worrying about, is this person going to be on drugs? Are they not going to be on drugs? Are we going to pay our rent? Are we not going to pay our rent? Are my friends going to know what's going on? And I'm constantly on edge. How does it affect my ability to focus in a classroom? Okay. Right. One of the biggest things that prevents people from doing well on tests is just anxiety. People can be very, very intelligent, but don't test very well because they have all kinds of anxiety going on. Is that making sense? So we can make a very intelligent young person appear like what on paper? Yeah, which is not true, though. It's not accurate. The test score is not a reflection of their true capacity for learning and the true capacity of their intelligence, right? So anger is a really bad thing. How do we deal with anger? What's the technique for dealing with that? Yeah, meditation, love, gratitude, those are all ways we can deal. Yeah. Journaling. Exactly. Um, Writing down 10 things that you're grateful for every night has a significant impact on anger, depression, and anxiety. All you got to do is write 10 things I'm grateful for. It can be your cheeseburger that you have, a warm house, clean sheets. It can be really basic stuff, right? I keep a gratitude journal. Yeah. Things down every night. That's fantastic. And then I write three positive things mm-hmm. about myself. Yeah. It was called affirmations, right? Yeah. Many of us have been programmed when we were younger or heard messages in the media or from other people, you know, that were really kind of cutting and mean. So hearing those messages over and over again, I don't care how balanced you are, I don't care how tough your psyche is, over a period of time it begins to affect your self confidence and your self esteem. Is that making sense? And so you got to look at this anger. Where is it coming from? Remember, anger is always going to be a secondary emotion. i got to feel something first. If I bump my toe against this table, I can feel pain, then I can feel anger. Anger is always a secondary emotion. So when you feel anger going on, try to trace back what the root cause is. Is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it fear? Right? Is that making sense? Okay, what about this other one when we talk about just fear in general? Why is fear a bad emotion to be having about the future? Especially about the future. Usually, what's that? Anxiety. Yeah. If I'm constantly looking about things in this perspective, it's never going to work out. I'm never going to graduate. I'm never going to get that job. I'll never get that girlfriend. What's going to happen to my mind? Um, There's an acronym here, false evidence appearing real. People that are in addiction oftentimes tend to take fear and dance with it romance with it, right? Spend time with it and give it all kinds of energy in your mind. Why is that a bad idea? To go dancing around with fear in your mind. You can't let it go. Mm-hmm. And it becomes dear to you. You have a relationship with it, right? So how do we deal with fear? How do we incapacitate fear? How do we fight back? With faith. Keep telling ourselves that things will work out. You know, they study people that have depression, and that was really interesting. People that have depression oftentimes have a very accurate interpretation of the world and are very bright and intuitive and also very empathic. So they said, okay, if some people got weak bones, some people must have strong bones. If some people have depression, some must have the opposite of depression, which is like a Pollyanna-ish attitude or everything's always going to be okay. Right. So happy-go-lucky people, what do they study about them and learn? What do you guys want to guess? What's different about those people than most people? They tend to not think about bad things that happen to them and overly fixate on good things. So you tell a person that has this happy-go-lucky attitude, dude, you got a flat tire. 
And he'll say to you, yeah, but that's only going to take an hour to solve. And I got a whole day ahead of me. Like, are you kidding me? Where'd you get that shit from, right? And so, dude, your girlfriend just broke up with you. Yeah, but maybe there's somebody else around the corner that I can date that's going to be better than her. But how, how do you even know that? Well, I'm going to operate from faith. So people that tend to be positive tend to be kind of insulated from addiction. Addiction loves resentments, angers, and fears. It thrives off of that. It actually feeds addiction, right? So addiction cannot stand acceptance, resolution. My friend died of a heroin overdose. My resolution is to kind of fight addiction. It makes me feel better. Love and gratitude and faith. Is that making sense? So now we kind of know a bit more about addiction and how that happens, right? So we're going to go around. We're going to do our first handout. Does anybody know about Families Against Narcotics, this group? I'm going to pass these flyers to you if you want one. They're doing all kinds of good stuff, and I'll be speaking at their next um, get-together in Oakland County. If you want one, you can take it. If not, you can pass it on through. And we're going to do our first handout. Some of you guys, what's that? Is that Naranon? No, that's uh, Families Against Narcotics. It's different. Naranon is for people that love and care about an addict. So for a mom, for, for a sibling, for a friend of an addict, that's where they would go to a Naranon meeting, okay. right? So Al-Anon, if you love somebody that's an alcoholic, you go to an Al-Anon meeting. Okay. There's a thing called Alateen for people that are more like teenagers that are dealing with their parents' alcoholism. It's also called uh, ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. If you grew up in an alcoholic household and you're now an adult and that household kind of traumatized you, you go to ACOA meetings. Is that making sense? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Good question. My dad used to speak at uh, Narnia. Yeah. And I didn't know the difference. Yeah, no, that's why. And that's a good thing. Helps him get resolution from what happened. Okay. Where's New Hudson? What's that? Where's New Hudson? I have no idea. Except by Southland and Milford. Yeah, that makes oh, sense. Okay. So we're going to figure out why people use drugs and alcohol. Right? It's a good question to ask, right? Because isn't it illegal? Depends. Well, is it? Is marijuana legal in Michigan? No. But what about no. medical marijuana? Let's be honest about it. Is it really legal in no. Michigan? It's illegal regardless. Tell me why. You're absolutely right. Federal law. Thank you. Federal law supersedes state law, right? And so if the DEA, ATF, or FBI shows up and you got medical marijuana, and you say, look at my card, they will laugh at you. Yeah. 40% of all DEA arrests are still marijuana. And so people talk, try to tell me, run day, Raj, it's going to be legal everywhere. And I'm like, that's never going to happen. Never gonna right. Happen. Because there's too many vested interests that need to make marijuana illegal. Imagine the DEA, you walk up to them and say, hey, 40% of your arrests are marijuana. Now marijuana is a, a legal drug. We're going to remove your budget by 40%. And they're like... You're not going to do that. Imagine Anheuser-Busch and Heineken and all those beer companies, all of a sudden the cannabis suppliers and growers union now advertises on professional football. And so money that was being spent at the bar is now being spent where? At the, at the dispensaries. You think, that these liquor, you think that the liquor companies are going to actually tolerate legalized marijuana floating around? It's never going to happen. And they're much more powerful than a lot of your other organizations are. Is that making well, sense? Legalize yeah. Yeah. Companies. Yeah. No, yeah. The they can't tax it. It's very difficult to, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they can grow it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a crop. Yeah. Alcohol is a little bit easier to tax because you got to actually do something to make it happen. Distilleries. And they still have distilleries, you know, in Kentucky and Tennessee. They still have moonshine. I mean, I've seen that TV program about moonshiners, right? I guess there's still money to be made making illegal alcohol. On TV. <laughs> All right, so who wants to read the first part, just the part where why do people get high? The first uh, 12 items there. Who wants to read? Fortune favors the bold. 
Thank you. Why do people get high? We escape school, family, and social pressure. We discussed that, right? Those pressures can come from all these kinds of things, right? Resentments, angers, and fears. Go ahead. Low self-esteem. Okay. To be accepted, sense of belonging. To feel like an adult or appear sophisticated. Right. Curiosity. Availability. Uh-huh. Boredom. Risk-taking behavior. Right. Challenge. Novelty. To be different. Self-medicating. Other mental health issues. Trying to recreate a signature novel experience. Sense of mastery. I want to be good at something. Alright, so, yeah, let's say I go to high school and I'm not good at sports. Let's say I go to high school and I'm not really good at studying. Let's say I go to high school but I got a really good drug connection and I can get anybody I want marijuana. What happens to my status in that high school? You're right, but I get some status to that, don't I? Because other people actively seek me out to get drugs through me. Is that making sense? Let's say I go to a party. I'm not really good at anything, but I can outdrink other people at this party. Everyone goes, right, wow, look at Raj, man. He can outdrink you. It doesn't even seem to affect him. Isn't there a weird kind of status with that too? So if I'm not good at the regular stuff in, in school, I've got to find something that gives me status and a sense of importance. And for a lot of people, that can become drugs or alcohol. Is that making sense? Can anybody else identify with any of those 12 when they were in high school? What kind of drove them to want to experiment or use drugs? All of them. All of them? That's honest. Anybody else? Mitch? <laughs> what? I don't know. I, I kind of only um, can really relate with five. Okay. And why is that? Uh, five, six. No, more than just five. Five, six, seven, and eight. Can you tell me why? I guess they're all sort of related to curiosity in some way. Right. Um, so I was just really curious. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't there a coolness, edginess factor? When we're younger, we're supposed to te test boundaries with adults, boundaries with rules and regulations, right? And so we're, we're supposed to push a little bit. But some of us maybe push a little bit too hard. And believe it or not, if I pulled out a whole bunch of heroin at this podium right here and said, here's a whole bunch of heroin, right? And the general population was in this room, what would be their reaction? They would run the other way, right? But some people would walk up to the podium and go, really? Heroin, you don't say. I've heard a lot about this drug. It kills people. It's very addictive. May I try some, please? And why would they say, they would say that? Why would they say that out loud? Because some people don't have that fear factor, right? Some people are really curious. And some people have what's called, not to be mean, but magical thinking. And so in magical thinking world, right, unicorns are going to dance around and I'm going to do some heroin and nothing bad's going to happen to me, right? Because I'm far too clever, far too smart, far too self-disciplined, even though the stats show that 25% of people that try heroin one time become completely physically addicted. And all drugs are not created equal. Is that making sense? Okay. Who wants to read the next items there? Thank you, Mitch. Early signs predicting future drug abuse. Associating with drug users, lack of attachment or lack of relationship with parents, ineffective parenting, mixed messages, and inconsistent consequences. Okay. Caregiver or sibling that abuses drugs, lack, or aggressive behavior, lack of self-control, impulsivity, poor social skills, poor school performance, and priming. Or okay. watching people using it. Yeah, priming is a fancy word of basically having somebody doing this right in front of you all the time, right? And so when parents have their own grow house and they're growing weed all the time, they get very confused. I don't know why my 14-year-old you know, kid's smoking weed. Well, you've primed them for that. They understand that world. They understand the slang, the, the coding, the messages, right? 
So uh, has anybody been affected by any of those things that got them into using drugs or alcohol? Has anybody ever witnessed someone using drugs and alcohol in front of them when they were younger and made an impact on them? I have an uncle in Germany that was super cool, super cool guy. He was a talented singer, and he was in Germany, and he was in a rock band. And he actually went diving off the coast of Spain and would actually go to these old shipwrecks and bring stuff up and actually sell it for money. He also went to Thailand and smuggled heroin back. Yeah, he told me all these stories, right? And I'm 13 years old. I'm mesmerized by this guy, and he's super cool. He's got all these girlfriends and stuff, and he brings me up into his room, and we're, we're hanging out there, and he hands me this marijuana. It's in a pipe. And he goes, this pipe that you're smoking out of is 300 years old. I'm like, wow, I feel really important. You know, he's treating me like an adult. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get involved with all these other bands. Don't listen to that bullshit music. Listen to Manfred Mann and Led Zeppelin. I'm like, I'll do that for sure. And you should get Led Zeppelin t-shirt. I'm going to get Led Zeppelin t-shirt for sure. And then I'm smoking marijuana with him. He goes, you know what? You deserve a glass of wine. He pours me this glass of wine. And I drink it with him. I feel really sophisticated. I feel important. And then he looks at me and he pulls out a spoon. And he pulls out a needle, and I'm getting like, wow, what's going Yeah, I'm 13, he's 21. And he looks at me, he goes, don't you ever do this. So I'm like, oh, all right. And he draws it up in the syringe, and he leans back all super cool, and he ties off like in the movie, and he shoots up, and he rolls his eyes in the back of his head. Guess what I thought I was going to do at that point when I saw that going down? I can't wait to get a hold of some heroin. Just can't wait. See, I was primed. It was put into my mind. And so when we tell people not to do something and we're doing it, guess what people usually follow? The actions, not the words. Look, not to be mean, but we're like monkeys, right? And so when we see a monkey swinging off a tree, like, oh my God, look at that monkey. He's got status. He's swinging off that tree. That's a really high up branch. I want to do what that monkey does up there, right? If the monkey comes down from the tree and says, now don't go up there to the top branch, I'm like, yeah, right? See, you just showed me that I'm supposed to do that, but your words say the opposite, but I understand what you're really trying to say. Is this complicated? Then we get complicated messages when we're coming up, right? And for many of us, it was an older sibling. For many of us, it was an older friend or older neighbor that had a super cool status or an edgy status. And people would say, don't hang out with so-and-so. He's, he's headed to prison. He's headed. And it was almost a coolness factor with that. Well, what is he doing? What is he taking? See, our world has all these mixed messages. What about with regards to musicians and rappers and such? What are the messages? If I listen to regular rap music right now, what will I be told to do? How am I... How should I treat women according to rappers? Wow. Isn't it amazing we live in a society where mistreatment of women is sanctioned by popular music? I never thought that would ever happen. And I'm not even that old. Wow. And what else do rappers tell us to do? Carry weapons, sell drugs, and what? And take drugs too? No. No? Yeah. No. Besides smoking weed, not really. Wait, no. What about Molly? Yeah. Huh? Huh? What about sipping syrup? Remember, certain drugs are rapper cool, right? And not all drugs. Like heroin is not popular rap. You can say do some heroin. No, no. But smoking weed, taking syrup, even even doing bars, right? Eating bars is cool, right? And so we can see them keep pushing the app. But it used to be in rap music in the 90s and 80s. It was only marijuana and alcohol. That was it. Jim and Juice, right? Right, and killing cops, right? And then as we see this trans, trans, it kind of gets edgier and edgier, and now powder cocaine is now what's the new thing in rap music, talking about doing powder. Before you know it, they're going to be talking about doing heroin, right? It's the next step of the evolution. Why not? Because I'm part of the underground rap scene, that's not what it's 
but it might happen. Could. Hmm. I don't know. This is yeah, popular rap, mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Eminem like completely changed. Is that true? Is that confirmed? Yeah. Oh, oh Jesus. That's what I heard too. Yeah. That's bad for business though. I don't need him going back to rehab. He's supposed to stay sober. Yeah. Eminem gets his heroin from too. Like that's the first thing I thought. Where does Eminem go to get heroin? He's gonna go back to. How about the answer is anywhere he wants? That's the answer to that question. Yeah. Right, like, the best, there is. best is relative, though. The I'm most likely to kill you. That's the new rumor, like I said. Prescription pills only. But what's the problem with this, though, right? Remember when kids come to me, and they'll say, everybody's using drugs. I always pull up my M&M card. I just love it. But M&M's not getting high. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. M&M's not. He went to rehab. He's at Brighton Hospital. I was there. He got, he got sober. Oh, all right. Well, then I guess not. Everyone's getting high. Everyone but M&M. See, but... Eminem is pretty cool. You really like him, don't you? Like his music, and oftentimes they would say, "Yeah," and he's sober. So it's 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 conflicted, right? It's weird. All right. What's that? What's he say? He contradicted himself, and he's becoming a better person, and saying that his old shit's bad. Wow. Okay, that's a really bold thing to do. Yeah. All right. I respect that. A lot of musicians do that. Like most musicians, when they make new albums, they get more talented and they say that same thing. Though. Right. Everyone does that. Because they've been through it. Yeah. Let's say the VH1, like behind the music, every, every episode is the same, right? I was nothing. I got really rich. I got a drug problem. I almost died. And now I'm glad to be sober. So I just... Yeah. Just like... A lot of rockers are like that. Yeah, it's true. I'm a metalhead. Yeah, a lot of them go through this. Yeah. Aerosmith's famous for that. Yeah. Um, all right. How about the next time? Who wants to read that next little paragraph there in the text box? Fortune favors the bold. I will. Thank you, Barb. In the box? Yep. In the beginning, people used to feel good. After becoming addicted, people used to not feel bad. In the beginning, people use because they want to. After becoming addicted, people use because they have to. Any thoughts on that? Does that make any sense at all? Yes. So heroin people tell me that when I was using heroin, I was paying somebody $100 and I got really high. It was a lot of fun. Then when I paid somebody $200 so I don't throw up that day, wasn't so much fun. Right? So dependency, what we're talking about here, being dependent on a drug is a really bad place to be. So how do I become dependent on alcohol? How do I become dependent on Xanax? How do I become dependent on heroin? Yeah, one time. But I gotta use it to be really be dependent with withdrawals. How many times do I gotta use it? A whole bunch, right? Yeah, every day for a certain amount of time. Usually, say with heroin, every day for thirty days, you're gonna have a significant withdrawal symptoms. Um, all drugs have different withdrawals. So, for example, heroin is a really bad drug because if you have a heroin addiction previously and you do heroin three days in a row, you will feel significant withdrawals right away. It's really amazing like that. So, what withdrawals can actually kill you? Which are the worst withdrawals to have? Xanax, alcohol, benzos, right? Your Valiums, right? And what drugs will make you wish you were dead but are not going to kill you? Heroin, oxycontin, fentanyl, right? Yeah, isn't that amazing? So every year... No, you'll die. You'll have a seizure and die. They, the cravings don't seem to be as intense. 
even though they're wrecked more physically, the actual cravings that come from heroin seem to be really severe. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know if alcohol, like the withdrawals, were actually that. Intense. Yeah, they're different. They're, they tend to be in, in a way that something about heroin withdrawals really gets a person craving and willing to do really risky stuff. Where people even had alcohol withdrawals aren't willing to do the same types of things. So how can you die from alcohol withdrawals? Excellent question. Right. So think about your nervous system as a spring, like a shock absorber in a car, right? When you use a depressant, and depressants are alcohol, benzos, tranquilizers, right? They push that spring down every single day. So every single day, your spring, your emotional system, your nervous system is pushed down. Now all of a sudden, you stop taking that thing, what happens to that nervous system? It goes haywire. It sends all kinds of surges through your arms and your legs and through your head. And so it's, it's sending out all these signals. Now you feel surges through your arms. And with too much of that, you can have a heart attack. You can have a seizure. You can die. My friend has really bad alcohol problems. Really? Yeah. And, like, when he would stop drinking, like, he would wake up, have a fifth, start drinking it, finish the fifth within, like, ten minutes. When he wouldn't drink, like his arms would like go like this yeah because yeah, wow. his nerves and everything were so yeah. fucked he went to jail and he was like t going through withdrawals from alcohol and he told the cops and like the guards he was like you guys need to like take me to a hospital because i need to like detox right and they like wouldn't he seizured and he hit his head he actually ended up in a coma yeah. yeah. So every every year we have people dying in county jails from alcohol withdrawals and Xanax withdrawals. And if you combine the two together, the withdrawals are even worse. Yeah, yeah. And what's really sad is that there's no trouble. There's really no consequences for people that run these jails. They'll say, oh, we didn't notice the withdrawal yeah. symptoms. And usually they're, they're very poor people or they're homeless people that have alcohol or drug problems and they end up dying. They just kind of whisk them away. Remember, America's got a long history of mistreating mentally ill people and addicts and alcoholics. And so when you have... Yeah, yeah. They, you have no. Was that common though? No, it, it's it's shocking how we mistreat people in our society. We have different categories of citizens, right? We have regular citizens, and we have alcoholics and addicts, and people treat them a certain way. That's how we have these stigmas associated with people. One of the theories why the recovery rates are so low in America versus other countries is our stigma of addiction is so powerful. You know, once an act, always an act. Nobody ever gets sober. You will never change which is all lies that we've been told over and over again in our society and our popular culture. And so we begin to absorb that and begin to believe it. It's remarkable. All right. How about the next items there? You know, volunteer. Anybody? Sure. Which one is it? Oh, the next list? Yep. There will be signs predicting future drug use. Associating with drug users, life attachment. Oh, I thought... You're fine. If you think if you think you know an addict, the best way to handle them is to care. Facts and assertiveness separate the person that you care about from their disease. The okay. disease is bad. You're good. You're doing good, man. Disease is bad and what else? Is that true? Is addiction a disease? It is, right? It's got symptoms and it's treatable. Look, I'll make up the rules of words. That's just how the whole thing works. If something has symptoms and it's treatable, like diabetes, high blood sugar, treatable with insulin, right? It's a disease. Addiction is a disease. Right? Go ahead. I love you, but I hate your disease. I have nothing to help you get high. We'll do everything possible. 
Yeah, I'll do nothing to help you get high, and I'll do everything possible to help you get sober, right? You can love an addict and still hate their disease. It's actually a good policy. Obviously, it is important for anyone dealing with this, an addict to not tolerate behavior that risks their health, safety, well-being, or sanity. Remember, it takes a great deal of courage to challenge or confront a person who's abusing drugs and alcohol. In reality, most people who lack this courage end up leaving a person who is in trouble alone. This Unimpressive. This is unimpressive. Yeah. Is that making sense so far? How about the very last part there? The bold one? Yeah. You don't have to be an addict to benefit from not using drugs or alcohol. Prove your point. Please continue. A lot of people don't get high, not because they were arrested and their mom is watching them, but because America is competitive. You don't want to be chemically restrained by drug abuse, withdrawals, and hangovers watching other people pass you by. This is the stark reality. You'll never reach your full potential of using drugs. Okay, so thoughts on that concept. What about a lot of people, a lot of therapists, I find this a complete waste of time, will focus to convince somebody and browbeat them to say that I'm an addict or alcoholic. Why is it a complete waste of time? Because they are whether they say it or not. Right. And so my job isn't to convince you of, of that because it's wasting time. We have valuable time. Let me ask you this question. Is using drugs or alcohol making your life better, A, or is right now using drugs or alcohol making your life worse, B, and make your decisions accordingly? It's not any more complicated than that. You don't have to wreck your life and destroy everything to figure out that alcohol and drugs are not your friend. It makes it better temporarily. Yeah. It could be temporarily. You can always stop temporarily too, though. Look, for a lot of people that have just one DUI, they don't want to be alcoholics. This is too overwhelming from them. They come from Birmingham and West Bloomfield. They don't want the stigma. So here's what I tell them, which is actually true. You have an alcohol allergy. When you consume alcohol, you're prone to risk-taking behavior. Watch me prove my point. I can throw people's keys at them when they're really drunk, right? So here, here are your keys, Mitch. Go ahead and drive. Nice bad example. He would drive. But maybe Pete wouldn't do that. Right. So I throw your keys at somebody that's really drunk, right? And believe it or not, some people actually throw their keys back at you and say, while they're intoxicated, I'm too drunk to drive. Those people really do exist. I swear to God they do. Other people who have the alcohol allergy, once you throw their keys at them, they'll say what to you? All right. Sure, this will work. I will never get arrested. This is a great idea. And they bring all my friends with me. Is that making sense? Yeah, because I'm that one. There you go. It's an alcohol allergy. Let me turn the air on. It's getting a little bit hot. We're going to go around and introduce ourselves. You want to mention your drug of choice, that's great. Mention your clean time, it's important to mention clean time. And give us a highlight from the past week. So Pete, you know the drill, why don't you start us off? I'm Pete, drug of choice is alcohol, it's been eight and a half months. Fantastic, well done. Good job. You got a highlight for us? I got promoted at work. Today? This, this week. week? That's fantastic. So how does that feel? Feels good. Very impressive. Right Glad to hear that. Glad you hear it. <coughs> Trisha. Trisha, drug choice is heroin. Zero days sober from anything. Okay. No days sober and zero highlights. Zero highlights? Why? I quit my job. Okay. School. You use recently? Not drugs. What'd you use? Oh my God! How do you feel about that? I'm shocked. All right. <laughs> oh no way! 
Zero days clean? Yeah. Alright, she's honest. From heroin? No, not from heroin. Oh. Why is it a bad idea for people that have a heroin addiction to drink? And this says because we care, not because there's no confrontation here at all. So why is it a bad idea? Sets them off. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a depressant, right? Alcohol, and so heroin kind of depresses the nervous system as well. So you get a little bit of a buzz going, and before you know it, what could actually happen? Go back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so a lot of people will transition back to heroin through alcohol first. Very few people actually go from being completely sober to shooting dope. It's just too much of a change. We've been sober for any amount of time, you know, 90 days or more. It's kind of hard just to wake up and go, I'm going to go get some heroin. But smoking a little bit of weed, drinking a little bit of beer, all of a sudden we get that false courage going up, right? So, Trisha, please don't take any more alcohol. Glad you're here. Yeah, we had drank a piece. Yeah. It's honest. Yeah. Remember, I'm like any kind of life coach, I'm really annoying. So why is life coach annoying? Because if you got a silver medal, what am I going to ask you for? A gold medal. So we got a bronze medal going on. I want to get a gold medal. I'm always going to keep pushing everybody for the higher achievement, right? And if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. We can do better. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're honest. How about you, Barb? Um, about three weeks and three days. Please. Fantastic. Give us a highlight. Um, prescription Okay. Yeah, and you brought some wonderful guests with you today. Yeah. Want to introduce your guest today? That's my Jerry. Jerry, thank you for coming here today, sir. For years. That's great. And my daughter, Shannon. Shannon, thank you for being here. And my son, Michael. Fantastic. Yeah, welcome Shannon and Michael, right? Thank you for being here. This is great. So you want to mention anything to them about what's going to be different this time? Do you guys want to say anything to your mom in this safe place that we have right now? Okay. Do you want to say anything to your mom? Thank you. <laughs> Is it scary having a mom that has a drug and alcohol problem? Here's your chance, Shannon. They would like to know too. Does it make you sad? 
How about you? Uh, well, they don't tell me anything, so... <laughs> they don't tell me anything. I'm young. You're the youngest that happens to you, right? How about you, sir? Can I speak for Of course. You? Well, as her dad, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've got 17 years. Yeah, it's, it's a really, you know, applause for that. It's a real accomplishment. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, she's really angry. Mm-hmm. He's young. He's naive. He doesn't really see the big picture. Okay. <laughs> but it's it hurts him. Yeah. We all know that. We all I don't know about you guys. My dad was a drunk. He used to kick shit out of my mom. Didn't wake up one morning saying, Hey, I'm gonna grow up and be a drunk. Right. He just ended up with four DUIs and facing five years in jail. Yeah. Well, did you want to stay in that squirrel cage or do you want to get out? Simple as that. You wanna stay out and live a good life? Stay fucking clean. Yeah. Would you wanna Continue to go in that damn squirrel cage. Mm -hmm. Keep using. You'll be in prison. You'll be in jail. You'll be dead. Insane asylum. Yeah. Homeless. Whatever. I thank God every damn day, all day, that I'm here and I can do what I can do for my children yeah. and for humanity. Because till we get the big picture that we're all on this planet together, mm -hmm. we got to learn to live with one another and help one another instead of kicking them when they're down. Barb's my ex-wife. Yeah. There's nothing here other than I want... She was there for me when I needed her. And right. I pay it forward. Yeah. I'm paying it forward so my kids will understand. He's been one of my biggest support systems. Right. Oh, me. He's not my best. He's leaving me out. Or two. You give me inspiration. You give me motivation. So go, Shannon. Do you guys plan on using drugs or alcohol when you guys get older? No. Thank you. Please don't do that. Okay. Everybody doesn't do it. Everybody doesn't do it. No. I get, no, you go to intherooms.com, there's an entire group of people that are not getting high, not abusing drugs and alcohol. They have a very quiet voice. The really loud people are the ones that are getting high. The ones that are really quiet are the ones that are staying sober. And they exist, and they're all over the place. Our society could not function if everybody was using drugs and alcohol. I promise you that. If you pay attention very carefully to how America works, most people stop at red lights, most people pay their taxes, and most people don't cheat on their wives. That's how the whole world works, okay? If it wasn't that way, we would all fall apart. But the people that are doing all the bad things get all the attention. That's how the news works, right? The news isn't like, all people that did the good thing and helped feed people today are going to be on TV. So who killed who? Who's blowing up what? They get all the attention. So if you aren't clever enough to understand that all the media is negative. And so understand this. Not everybody's getting high. And everybody's drinking, right? Do you guys have any comments or suggestions to the young people that are here today with regards to future drug or alcohol use? Any comments you want to make? It's not fun. It's too much fun to mind, even like this choosing to say, really. Right. You know, it's just like, it destroys your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really well said. I think it's not worth it. I think it's best to leave it alone as long as possible. You know, we have a theory that we talk about, if you're going to use drugs or alcohol, please don't do it until you're 21 years old. And here's why. The last part of your body to develop is your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain behind your forehead. 
And so that's the part involved with your emotional IQ, good decision-making, longitudinal thinking. And so please don't abuse drugs and alcohol until that part of your brain is working. That will help you make a better decision. Is that making sense? Yep. Really glad you guys are here today. And Mom, you got to turn this around. This is not fair to the kids. I'm just speaking frankly with you. This has to end this time. This has to be the last time. You keep breaking them through the coals back and forth like this, and they're going to be damaged. It has to change now, okay? Thank you for being here. How about you, sir? Josh, um, I didn't really keep track of my time. Mm -hmm. Eight months. Eight months. You applause for eight months? Drug of choice for Josh is what? Well, it's kind of just like whatever. Okay. Yeah. But if I fill a table full of every drug known to man, I said, you got to take one right away first. What are you going to reach for? Probably Xanax. All right. That's honest. Yeah. Okay. Um, really nothing going on. Just wait two more weeks. I'm out of this place. Okay. That's cool. All right. Waiting patiently. Working. What concerns you about your previous partying and drug usage? Nothing really. Come on. Nothing really. Nothing concerned me really. I like I've been around all my friends partying and stuff. Yeah, but yours. What's bad about your usage? What's bad well, the negatives. There's, there's got to be some oh, negatives. Like, as soon as I touched anything, it was just too much. Okay. Like, if I drank. I so your off switch is broken. Yeah, like I was doing type pass out and those Yeah, and that's like, an allergy reaction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Um, well, if you had a peanut allergy and you said, Raj, when I eat peanuts, you know, I eat too many peanuts and bad things happen to me, what are we going to do? Put a plan together to avoid peanuts, right? Mm -hmm. So you got a peanut allergy. So how much alcohol and drugs should a person with a drug and alcohol allergy consume? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's logical, right? All right. Glad you're here, man. Mm -hmm. Honored guest. Brooke. Brooke. I owe you a book, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I give it to you. Glad you're here. But I don't want to be your, your authority figure. I'm not anybody's yes, authority please. figure. I don't want my parents to be my authority figure. Well, I don't want to be your authority figure. Pills anymore okay. The doctors know what's going on. My parents don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I have depression. Okay. Anxiety mm -hmm. and ADHD. Okay. And they took away my Adderall because they thought I was abusing it. Okay. And in reality, I wasn't. Some of my ex-boyfriend's friends would come over. Okay. And steal it. Right. And because I left it open, it's my house. Right. Okay. So I took away my prescriptions and I had to get I had to get it off the street. Okay. Because otherwise I felt like I hit a ton of bricks, I couldn't focus, I couldn't get a job, I couldn't do anything, my roommates were all on me. Mm -hmm. 
my parents were just, they, I feel like they just want to keep a hold on me. Okay. Keep me safe. But I can keep myself safe with that willpower okay. that I have. I'm glad I came here. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot. But I've heard it over and over and over and over again that I feel like I could be in your place. And I'm trying to eventually be there. Okay. But my parents don't understand that I'm over it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Right. The more I hear it, the more I want to use it. The more I hear it, the more I want to go out and experiment more with LSD. Okay. Why LSD? Because I don't know what's out there. Uh-huh. And it brought my brain to a point where I could get over my dad having cancer. Okay. I could get over... My half-sister leaving and wishing my parents dead. Okay. I could get over everything else that's gone on in my life. And escape what I see as a warped reality. Alright. You've been through a lot. Yeah. I've been through a lot. And when I finally got on my own two feet, my boyfriend, I, I can't get over the fact that it's his fault. Okay. Yes. Does he have a drug or alcohol problem? Yes. He's What's he into? He's to alcohol and Okay. And How do you compete with that for his affection? How do you compete with alcohol for his time and emotional affection? I, uh, I didn't come first. I didn't come first. Yeah, it's not fair. I know. And he would ask me every day to take my clomping and I would have to say no because otherwise I would withdraw from that. Right. And that's my anxiety issue, not his. He was too lazy to go see a doctor to get his own prescription. Okay. And I was, he was, he's a boy. Mm -hmm. He's a boy. He's not fully developed in the brain. He's 21 years old. He okay. didn't know what was going on. And he was using all these drugs and alcohol, and I'm living with my cousin. Mm -hmm. Now he's making me feel like a fool okay. because I brought all that into the house. Now I feel responsible for the house falling apart Okay. because now it's for sale. And they sent me to Crittenton okay. thinking I was in amphetamine psychosis when I was honestly withdrawing from Clonopin because I didn't get my prescription filled and my boyfriend and I got into an argument and I don't get angry. I'm Shouldn't you be with a boy that doesn't take your pills? He is in Portland now. Okay. So uh, I'm not with him. Good. We can do better. I know I can. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Mm -hmm. How about you? Uh, my name is Rachel. I'm a drug Okay. Been for over five months. Good for you, Rachel. Good. Yeah. Give us a highlight. Um. Hmm. Well, I'm going to do all the insulation done. Nice. So, Good for you. So you're having full days of real accomplishment, right? Yeah. Good for you. Glad you're here, Rachel. How about you, sir, honored guest? 
Okay. So off of pills and opiates, how much time we got sober from that? From pills? Yeah, the bad um, ones. I'm still on Suboxone. Yep, the bad pills, ones. Uh, I've probably taken twice in the past year. Okay, that's so, good. And that was just because I couldn't find Suboxone. All right. I know it was stupid, but I felt it was rather... You know, I'll take a couple Vicodins or whatnot instead of taking Suboxone because I couldn't find it. But, um, yeah, I've been away from the pills for a while now. Good. Now I just need to get away from the Suboxone. I've been drinking a lot more, too. Yeah. So, Gotta watch that. And it's creeping up on me mm -hmm. like quicker than I thought it would. Yeah. So I'm trying to just calm all that away. Yeah, be careful. And please, please take care. Remember, I can judge any man by the condition of his woman. Do you recall that? No. Oh, it's a very famous statement. I can judge any man by the condition of his woman. Why would I say that out loud? Guy comes into my office and his wife has a black eye. What's my impression of that guy? I'm not impressed. So impress me. Guys got to have a, a role in our civilization, right? And, and so women are caretakers. And so when we make our women feel safe, special, and don't give them drugs or alcohol, they tend to really thrive under those conditions. I want to live in a society where all of our women have high self-esteem, high self-confidence, and haven't been damaged by other men. My right? condition is I know. I'm just making a statement out loud. Right, just talking out. Yes, I'm just making a statement out loud, Tricia. And if you want, and if you want to take it on yourself personally, that's one thing. But it's really not about you. It really doesn't. It goes much deeper. It's a societal macro thing. All right, I'm just. Yeah, that's fine. And if you want to say anything else too, you know, saying that being. Yeah. But I don't say anything out of any kind of meanness or mean spirit. I only say no, it because I, I care about people. I mean, I do this for free. I'm not being paid for recovery college, you know. And it's, it's because I want people to learn what I didn't learn. No one taught me anything. I was raised by wolves. And I want other people to have to go through all that kind of stuff. Right? If I can take my pain and what I've gone through that's really, really bad and help another person from that suffering, I'm going to do that. And my agenda isn't any more sophisticated than that. I just want to see anybody hurting or suffering and help them reach their full potential. That's what we're all about here. And I'm glad everybody's here. It's a great deal of courage to be in this room, right? To walk in these doors. You don't know what's going to happen. You walk in here. Are we going to figure some stuff out together? we got some young people in here that are really worried about their mom. We have a mom that wants to change her life. you got to respect all that kind of stuff. There's some really good things happening in this room here with the people that are in this room. Everyone wants to do better for themselves. Look, there's 10,000 other people that should be in this room. And lack of a better way of saying this, they don't even have the courage to walk in those doors and address those issues. Is that making sense? Okay, glad you're here. Mitch, how about you? Yeah, Mitch, um, start with clean time, two days shy of two months. Good man. Well done. Today. Give us a highlight, man. Um, I had a day off of work today. All right. I watched it on Netflix and stuff. All right. So, <laughs> um, the drug of choice thing always changes. It always, it never really stayed in one place. Right. Not that's good or bad, though, between you and me. I still haven't figured that out, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. 
Young people, you want to share anything else? Okay. Dad, you want to share anything? Uh, um, life's grand. I like that. I like that. I didn't think I'd make 17 minutes. Okay. Wow. Nobody gave me 17 minutes. Right. And I'm still here. Yeah. And I got two kids now. And I had them after I had been sober. Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. Well, our son John, he was about six when I got sober. Okay. And I wanted to be his dad more than anything. Right. I'm not his biological dad, but I am his physical You're his dad. Yeah. dad. You are his real dad. So, if you have any doubts, uh -huh. yeah, always get on your knees and ask for strength. It will come. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Everybody's here. Who wants to read this new page here? We're talking about understanding value. Thank you. You're next. Yeah, did it go through? No. I'm making a mistake. Who's got understanding value? I made a mistake. I made the share. I got, I got. Yeah. Hold on a second. I got one more. Mitch, who's, who needs one? Can you guys share? All right. Who's reading it? You're going to read it? Thank you, Brooke. This is a term that everyone seems to know and understand. Okay. Some things are worth more than others. Usually items that are rare are more valuable than things that are common. For example, a guy on the basketball team who can shoot 100% is worth more than the guy that shoots a mere 5%. With me so far? Yeah, it makes sense. What about how? People pay a lot of money to be made unsick. Doctors make more than car mechanics because people consider their health more important than their car. Good point. Keep reading. Please, yeah. Now put a value on your body. I know that's tough. Let's make it easier. Put a price on parts of your body. What is each eye worth to you? If I offer you $5,000 for your left eye, would you take it? All right, here we go. Mitch, $5,000 for your left eye, man. I want to buy it. No. Are you serious? What, are you stuck up? Come on. Give me that eye. 5000 Give me my kitten. Give me my eye. <laughs> Somebody wants to ask me, okay, it's okay. If you buy my eye, are you going to use it to give to a person that needs one? I said, no, no, no. It's not for any kind of good intentions. I'm going to buy your eye and put it in a pickle jar and carry it around and mock you with it all day long. Right, so it's bad intentions. It's five thousand dollars. But let's go a little bit higher, Brooke. See what we can find out what his point is. I mean, seriously, you have two eyes. Right, You'd Mitch. You'll be able to see. Come on. You can use that cash and take a trip to Hawaii. Right. Okay, so your eyes are worth more. How about a hundred grand? Here we go, Mitch. A hundred thousand dollars for your left eye. What do you say? I'm gonna see how high you can get. <laughs> see. <laughs> Please keep reading, Brooke. All right. What about? <laughs> For your left eye, now that's worth considering. Uh huh. Now moving on to your hands, arms, legs, you could get the picture. So what's a total of five million? Well, that's making a good point, isn't it? Yeah. Don't realize what you have until you don't have it, right? Yeah. People that are missing body parts would give a lot of money to have that body part replaced. Yeah, organ donor. Yeah. What I'm getting at is this. You may just find that you wouldn't sell your right arm for any amount of money. I love the term priceless. 
because in the world of drugs we find that everything seems to have a price. Mm -hmm. However, in the real world, there are things that people just won't sell at all. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. So what does it feel like when you don't have any money, but you do have your hands, eyes, arms, and legs? It's hard to think like that. Yes, Josh, what did it feel like when you were in that coma? You couldn't move. How much would you have given to be able to get out of that coma right away and be able to move if you had it? Probably like anything at that time. Thank you. That's honest, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Anything at that time. If that coma would last even longer, you would give me whatever you got and then owe me money on top of it. Mm -hmm. Just to be out of that coma and be able to tell people, look, I'm Josh and I'm alive and this is a miserable place to be trapped in. Mm -hmm. And what you've been given is a second chance at life. That's remarkable. It's a really special place to be. Five and a half days. Mm. Tell me what a coma is, Josh. It's like when you like hit your head. Well, it can be caused like lots of different ways. But right. it's pretty much when you're just like you're asleep for mm -hmm. like a long, long time, and you get hit like hitting your head, like kind of like a stroke or something. Right. But then it's like you're asleep for that day. You just like you sleep 24 hours every day, five days straight. Mhm. Mm can you move? No. So you can't move when you're in a coma. You can't move your body or your limbs or anything. Yeah, well, for me at least, I was awake in my mind the entire time. It was just to this day, I think that's the worst thing I've experienced. Yeah, you couldn't talk though, could you? Like, number three. I yeah. Guess, the best. Well, but you couldn't talk though, could you? No, but you could talk in your head, but no one could hear you. Right. You'd hear something going on around you. I could hear people saying my name and stuff, talking about me. Just, just screaming inside my coma. My coma was like, it's like an elusive dream, almost like. Really? It was weird. People would touch me. That's scary. For months and months. Yeah. Shit. People would touch me and I'd move in my, in my like, coma dream, too. Ooh. Yeah. So glad to have you back. Thank you. Please continue, Brooke. Where was I at? Uh, all right. If you know what you are truly worth, would you treat yourself the way that you do? If you walked around with that five million dollars in your pocket, would you walk with confidence? Would you walk with caution? Consider your health. What is it worth not to have AIDS? Get a look at someone who's mentally challenged. What's it worth to be normal and able to read what I'm writing and understand it? Mm -hmm. How much would you pay to read if you couldn't? Very good point. Making sense so far? Okay. Who wants to read the back page there? You need a volunteer. You want to read? I guess. <laughs> Let's continue. Is there anybody that you love? What's it worth to keep them alive? Is it your mom, dad, wife, husband, or significant other? Mm -hmm. Is there someone living right now that you would pay to keep alive? And then your life another year. What? What's the value? Ten thousand if you had it. Yeah. Is there someone who will be willing to pay to keep you alive? Wow, that's if a good not, point. Will you pay to live another year, clean and sober? What's the price you pay not to have a drug problem destroying your relationship, relationships, health, mind, and dreams? What's right. it worth to be free? Will it help? Of a lot, if you're in prison, right. remember that 
not all prisons wall prison walls are made of brick and stone. Right. Do I keep on reading? If you want to, otherwise you can skip. You want to give it to Mitch? Mitch, take over. Thank you for reading. That would be such a good drug commercial right there. Yeah. Right? Like, I was yeah. seeing the entire time. It was him just like right. reading off something. Yeah, he's like, got a great voice, doesn't he? Does he have a great voice? Yeah. Good yeah. job yeah. reading. Yeah. Very good job. Mitch, take over. Take over. I can't answer this for anyone. Uh-huh. The gist of this is to realize that you, in and of yourself, have a great value to yourself and others. If you work 40 hours a week to have a home, car, and food, how many hours a week can you spare to recovery so that you can have a better home, better car, and taste your food? No, that's too simple. What is it worth to never have to be humiliated by your addiction again? No, oh, there's a little picture right there. So what do you guys think about this idea? Is it making sense? Yeah. Right. So with regards to like addiction and value, you know, people study other cultures, right? They're called anthropologists, right? Anthropologists study different cultures. They even started biker culture, General Motors culture. They also started the Inuit culture in basically North America and Canada. So what's a big part of these Inuits' lives? What are they surrounded by? Ice. Ice and snow, absolutely true. So a woman studies them for a year. She comes back and says, these people have 24 different words for snow. 24 plus. Like, no way. Yeah, a lot of words for snow. So why is that? Linguist wants to study that. Why is that? It must be important to them, right? Is that true? Is it important? Snow? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely important. And why? Survival. Right? If there's a certain kind of snow in this area over here that's good for hunting or bad for hunting, I've got to be able to explain that to you, right? How about storytelling? They have a very literal culture. They try to tell things, verbal stories, right? So storytelling... I want to be able to make my stories sound very poetic, different words for different types of snow, right? Survival, storytelling. What else is in you would uh, have the 24 plus words for snow? I hate snow. Well, also be for safety. It's part of their culture. So this linguist says, oh, there's 24 different words for snow. Snow must be very important to these Inuit people, right? So what about Americans? What's important to American people based on their language? Money. Thank you said that. <laughs> money. How many different words are there for money, including slang terms? Mm, thousands. At least 24. Money, cash. Dough. Dead presidents, dough. Dogs. Dead presidents, <laughs> right. Paper, scratch, Bill. bills, cheddar. cheddder. <laughs> Liquid assets, we can go on and on, right? 24 plus. So for Americans, money is very important, right? What's the standard of money throughout the world? Where can I go anywhere with this stuff in my pocket and people recognize that it's very valuable? Gold. I can take gold anywhere. I can take gold to Africa, gold to an Inuit person. I can take gold to the southern tip of anything. And they're going to go, that's really valuable. We recognize that. That's gold. Huh? Money supposed to represent gold, but it doesn't anymore. It doesn't anymore. But gold is the standard of money throughout the world. I can go anywhere in the world with gold, and they're going to say, that's really valuable. Yeah. 
the dollar used to say this is a certificate. Exactly. It used to be a gold standard. They got yeah. rid of it in the Nixon era. Okay, what's the price of gold per ounce? Several grand. 1200 I checked today. Oh, wow, per ounce. Kind of low. It is low right now. Huh. What is a good quality ounce of cocaine going for? Not a bullshit ounce, but a real ounce of cocaine from an ethnic oh, person. Uh, no. no. Real cocaine. Is that that bullshit? <laughs> an ounce. Fourteen hundred. No way. Absolutely. For a pure ounce of pharmaceutical grade cocaine. Oh, okay, we're talking about that stuff. Yeah. Huh. Alright, let's watch Breaking Bad. Right. No, it's just cocaine. It's not, not, not meth. Meth's, meth's cheaper yeah. than cocaine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Meth's going to be meth's about, like about a thousand for a really high quality dirty. ounce, right? Um, yeah. What would pure THC go for if I had pure THC laying around? Well, that depends on the... No, but pure, if I had the chemical itself, not even the weed, but the chemical itself, I, I isolated it. Seizures. Yeah, but pure THC, what's that worth per ounce? I mean, just give me a number. <laughs> A lot. Oh, let's see. Over twelve hundred, right? Can we please say over twelve hundred? Yeah, that'd be pretty expensive. Yeah, more than more pure than dabs of the actual chemical, crystalline THC. Oh, that they put in the pills. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right. They they make it. You actually, yeah, Marinol pills have pure THC in them. All right. What about what's the most expensive? One of the most expensive drugs per ounce. What is it? Heroin. What's the ounce of pure heroin going for? New York City, high quality heroin from Columbia, eight thousand an ounce. Notice a little pattern here. We say that money is very, very important to us. We say gold is a standard of wealth throughout the world. But I can show you that illegal drugs are worth more, more, oftentimes than gold. That's remarkable. Isn't that the point Malcolm X was trying to make? Which part was that? I don't know. As long as you don't get caught, right? right. Ketamine's out there too. Ketamine's yeah, ketamine. Really yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. We'll go even further. Everyone knows what oxycotton is, right? Yeah. So oxycotton, in, back in the day, was going for a dollar a milligram, right, up in Kentucky, right? How many milligrams are there in a gram? Thousand. Thousand. So that's a thousand dollars per gram, right? Right, Mitch? Yeah. At that rate, right? And how many grams are there in an ounce? 28.35? I don't know. 28. 20, I think it's a 20. Drug dealers always round down. Always bothered me. It's 28.35. So that means that an ounce of Oxycontin is $28,000 an ounce pure at a dollar a milligram. Now you never buy it for that much. But it's making a point. I'm just making a point, trying to illustrate a point here. So what are we saying here? We're saying that America, based on a linguistic perspective, is interested in money and drugs. And so in rap music, do they talk about money in rap music? <coughs> is it part of, is it important to rap culture? Is it part of survival? Is it part of storytelling? Is it part of safety? Right? It gives you status. It allows you to navigate your world, right? So based on this perspective, with all these words for different drugs, like how many slang terms are there for heroin? How many slang terms for cocaine? At least 24 plus, Right? So you can make the argument that Americans, based on this perspective, are obsessed with money and drugs. How many words are there for love in the English language? One. So you could say, based on this perspective, that love really isn't important. We say that it is, but our language doesn't indicate that. 
And that gets you thinking. Why do we only have one word for love when we have so many words for drugs and money? It shows you where our culture is. Is it making sense? Any comments or questions? I want to thank everybody for being here and being patient. I know this was a long time, and I appreciate everybody for being here. We had some attrition, but that's okay. Sometimes i got to say the truth, and it causes me all kinds of blowback and problems. But everything I say is true. I live in a really weird part of my life where I get in trouble for telling the truth. Thank you, everybody, for being here, and we'll see you guys next Tuesday at 7 o'clock.